Welcome back, folks. We have the Pound the Table podcast, and I am your host, the always NFL offseason GM, Fred. And another great show for you here this week. Uh, after week seven, that was a little surprising for me. Uh, our picks didn't do so hot, but we'll get into that later. So make sure you t- stay tuned, hit subscribe. We got a ton of stuff coming up for you, as always. And let's get right into it right away. With week seven coming to a conclusion, we can take a look back here and see if we can sift through some of these uh, final scores to see if any of these meant anything. And with our number one headline on the week, it's going to be the Tennessee Titans beating the Brakes off of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, winning 27-3. to And Patrick Mahomes ended up going down with a concussion in this game and ended up missing, I believe it was like the second or third quarter. But it didn't even matter. The Kansas City Chiefs were already up 27 nothing at that point. And Kansas City only adds a field goal in the second half and then ends up losing big in this one. Uh, Titans pretty much controlled the entire game. They outright won in yardage, passing yardage, rushing yards. And when you take a look at the the turnover battle as well, too, they were better there as well. They were plus two. In time of possession, they dominated, obviously, being able to run the ball, um, winning by 13 minutes there. And really... uh, I I was not expecting this at all. When you take a look at Tennessee Titans, they're known for having this offense that's able to control the clock and really attack you at, at multi, multi-levels here. They have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown outside to go with the best running back we may have seen in the last two decades since Adrian Peterson, last decade. And really, uh, their defense is a sieve. It's been It's been terrible at times. They gave up to 31 points to Buffalo in a losing effort. They lost to, I believe it was the New York Jets. So I was not expecting them to come out here and only give up three points to the Kansas City Chiefs. So seeing this outcome is is quite shocking to me. And really it says more about the Kansas City Chiefs than it does the Tennessee Titans. And that's not to take away from the Titans. It does give them a lot of credit. They've had two big back-to-back wins here. But... Really, for the Kansas City Chiefs, it's kind of a moment where, where where do you go from here? Just because now Patrick Mahomes has cleared protocol and he's expected to play this week. But you have a team that's maybe fourth in the AFC West right now. They're they're very close to the, the Denver Broncos. I believe the Broncos got a game on them. So you have a, an upwards climb here. And it's not to say they can't get a wild card and make something happen. But fundamentally, there's, there's something going on with this team uh, this, this defense can, can't can stop anybody. And on offense, they just can't get open and they can't scheme stuff open. And Mahomes is, is trying to be Superman out there, turning the ball over. So it'll be really interesting to see how they recover in the coming weeks. I would expect them to. I mean, this is a team that's been to two straight Super Bowls. So we're not going to count them out just yet, especially being at, I believe it's three and four right now. But nonetheless, it's it's things are starting to get concerning in Kansas City. So... Moving on to our next game here, it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals controlling the AFC North, and the Bengals ended up beating this the, the Ravens last week in a divisional showdown, forty-one to seventeen. Yep, and, and you heard that correct, forty-one to seventeen. They really shocked the entire uh, football world here, just because a lot of people I think were still doubting the Bengals, uh, questioning whether or not they were a legitimate team. And I think you come out here and you beat a team like the Baltimore Ravens who were ascending. And uh, they were really starting to hit their stride. And Lamar was really starting to take off and really catapult this team into like top five discussions in the league. 
And really, they, they come out and they have a huge letdown against a, a Bengals team that looked really good. And when we take a look at the, the box score here, the Bengals outgained the, the Ravens by almost 130 yards, uh, finishing with 520 compared to 393 with Baltimore. And they had 409 yards passing. And really, they even lost the turnover battle. They're minus one. Uh, they had an interception. But I think what was most impressive to me is I think Joe Burrow is really an, an, like an ascending superstar talent here. Uh, this guy is, is starting to prove that he's really something special. Uh, he's got a great connection with Jamar Chase, who looks like an absolute animal. Uh, I actually put something out there on Twitter that today or yesterday saying that, I mean, Jamar Chase is like, we thought we'd never see another Justin Jefferson again. And here we are, we're watching Justin Jefferson 2.0. We got Jamar Chase, who might and is probably going to break Justin Jefferson's rookie receiving record because they got an extra game this year. But no, getting back to Joe Burrow, he's he's this really great talent. He even looked good last year uh, when he had really not a lot of help around him. And this year, they just surround him with all this receiving talent and they kind of ask him to do a lot with not, with not much offensive line in front of him. And now that the defense has shown up, the, the Bengals, I mean, they're a top 10 defense in the league right now. And you just shut down Lamar Jackson, who is the most electric player in all of football at this moment. So I, th- I think that this team is legitimately a playoff team and they, they are, could be a force to be reckoned with here. Uh, as it stands, I believe they're controlling the AFC North and everybody knows to get to the playoffs, you got to win your division first. So the Bengals are really taking care of business here in week seven, moving on into week eight. Moving on to our next storyline, it's going to be the Patriots roll over the Jets. And really, this isn't a storyline because it was impressive. Uh, everybody should be expected to beat the Jets. But I don't think there's a team in the NFL that should be expected to ever give up or lose by 41 points. That's really an embarrassment at, at that point. And... What was most impressive to me is Mac Jones was just dealing in this thing, man, and the, the Patriots never took their foot off the gas. They're winning 31-7 at halftime, and they go on to score another 23 points. Um, that's really sending a message to the other team that, I mean, that you just don't really even respect these guys. They end up with 551 yards of total offense compared to 299 by the Jets. And for the turnover battle, they won going plus three there. Uh, they they really just bullied Zach Wilson this entire game, and he, and he ends up leaving with a knee injury and gets replaced by Mike White in the second half. And he's going, going to end up missing two to four weeks here, and I, I believe they just made a trade for Joe Flacco, I believe, in the, in the interim here to try to replace and get a little bit more uh, veteran back up there in New York. But the Patriots, they've, they've played teams close all year, so really it shouldn't surprise them that they go out here and win against teams that should be beaten. And Mac Jones was, he was pretty brilliant in this one. Uh, 307 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. Their ground game really got going with Damian Harris, 106 yards, two touchdowns. J.J. Taylor had added 21 and two touchdowns. Uh, I just, It was just an all-around great effort. And honestly, I had the Patriots at the beginning of the season going 10-7 and seven this year and making the playoffs. And I believe they're 3-4 and four now. I, I believe it's 3-4. and four. And I really could see that happening. And wouldn't doubt me even in the slightest if it happened, just because I think that they're so well coached. And I think that that defense is so much better than they played in the past. It's a top 10 defense when everybody's healthy and everybody's there. 
And they're really starting to show that. So I think they're really going to hit their stride. They're really going to take off. And I think they could hit that 10-7 and number still. So Patriots beating up on the Jets, who just continue to look worse and worse week in and week out. That's rolling right into our fourth storyline here. And it's going to be the Colts continue their surge and get a win over the 49ers. So I don't know if anybody had... The Colts win in this game. Uh, a lot of people kind of have Shanahan as this heralded uh, offensive genius who's able to kind of make something out of nothing. And really, this this game, it was a complete uh, whiteout downpour. It was like just coming down the entire game. And I was impressed the Colts could put up 30 points. I, I was ready to hammer the under in this game at, at like 41, 42 points. And they end up uh, clearing that somehow. But really, uh, this game, it, the entire the entire offense is heralded behind Jonathan Taylor, who is shown that he is an absolute phenomenal talent in this league. He's got uh, ridiculous speed to combine with some serious power when he's carrying the ball. He's got great contact balance. He, he doesn't go down very easy. And he showed that he's not only a threat, uh, running the ball, but he can also catch a ball out of the backfield the last few weeks here. And honestly, uh, the Colts are starting to get right. They were my AFC South pick at the beginning of the year. I thought that their defense was much more complete, and that's going to help them stay in games. I figured Carson Wentz would have a little bit of a bounce-back season. And really, for their running back, I like I like how he plays as well, too. I figured that they would be ahead of the Titans in the AFC South. And there's still time yet. I believe they're, th- yeah, they're three and four. And the Tennessee Titans are five and two. So th- there's not a huge gap. It's two game uh, deficit here. And I believe they still got at least one, maybe two games here against the Tennessee Titans coming up. But I just was really impressed with this. This is a tough win against the Niners team that I was expecting to be uh, somewhere between a 13 to 15 win team. And if we flip the script here, we look at the 49ers at, this is seriously concerning for me that that they're starting to drop these this many games. They're currently sitting at two and four. They have a ton of injuries on their team. Uh, Trey Lance hasn't hasn't come along much at all. Uh, he really showed promise running the ball and showed off his arm strength when he did play. But that's nonetheless because he hasn't he hasn't played. He's he's hurt now. He's out for a couple weeks. And Jimmy G just looks like he's not getting it done. I understand it was a rainstorm here, and. Really, there's not much you can do throwing the ball. But this team needs to win football games, and I just don't know where it's going to start because this defense has nobody on the back end hardly. you got Josh Norman, who's like 32 years old, as your starting outside corner. Uh, Nick Bosa in their front seven and Fred Warner, I mean, you're set there. But if you can't stop the pass because you have nobody on the back end covering – I, I don't know what you do. There's not many options for you. I mean, there's a play in this game where Emmanuel Mosley, literally, like, it's it's a downpour. It's a 30-yard pass. It's probably not even – it's going to be the most difficult thing someone's ever done trying to catch that ball. If So, I mean, it's not likely. And the guy's just, like, bear-hugging him, like, 15 yards for 15 yards down the field. I'm like, I just don't understand why he's doing that. He didn't need to do that. Uh, just, t- just turn around and look for the ball. But nonetheless, there they are, and that sets them up for another touchdown in that position. So the 49ers really need to get right, and they really need to get right soon if they want to be competitive in the West and even in the playoff picture for the NFC. 
And then for our last storyline in week five, it's going to be the New York Giants absolutely rolling, excuse me, the Carolina Panthers. They won 25 to three. And I picked this storyline out mainly because I was expecting a little bit more after watching the Carolina Panthers for the, through the first three, four weeks. And Really, they just completely flopped on their face in this one. Uh, the, this is a, not a very good New York Giants team. Uh, they're currently sitting at two and five. They're, I believe, either last or t- or last second or second to last in the NFC East. And Sam Darnold just looked like he was a very scared dog in this one. He ends up getting pulled in favor of PJ Walker, who didn't do much for for offense either. And I understand that Christian McCaffrey's out, but they still have a ton of weapons on this offense with DJ Moore, uh, Robbie Anderson, and the, the rookie out of LSU, Terrence Marshall, Terrence Marshall Jr. So I was expecting a little bit more out of this team. And really, they're kind of lost and looking for an identity at this point. They start off 3-0, and and now they're 3-4. and And the same team that was playing on Sunday was not the same team that took the Vikings into overtime or took, yeah, the the Vikings into overtime, uh, and overtime the previous week as well. Wow, I'm really struggling on that one. But when we take a look at the box score as well, too, the the, the Giants just really dominated this. It wasn't even competitive at any point. It's 302 total yards and 109. They basically out, out gained them in every ass facet of the game 302 total yards 199 pass yards 103 rush yards to 173 total yards 117 pass yards and 56 rushing yards and the panthers end up losing the turnover battle as well too they they're negative one in that regard and basically once the giants got the lead they never gave it back they controlled the time of possession by about nine minutes so that all adds up for a very good win and really, in the NFC East, it's it's the Cowboys, and then there's nobody. But if the Giants can get on a run here, if they can start rattling off some some victories in a row, they can get themselves back in the playoff picture. But until they get back to even close to 500, I'm not going to really buy into what they're doing. Uh, nonetheless, it was it was a good win for Daniel Jones, especially with how many injuries they've had on that offense. So it's good for him to get one under his belt like this. But I think they have a lot more to prove in the future here. Uh, this is more of a big storyline for me just because of how bad the, the Panthers have faltered as of late. This week's Unlikely Hero of the Week, our Jameis Winston Unlikely Hero of the Week, is going to be, it was not hard to find, and honestly, it really made a huge case for himself on Thursday night. And it's going to be Dearness Johnson, the running back out of South Florida for the the Cleveland Browns. And Darius Johnson is was undrafted in 2018 out of South Florida. And as we all know, this last Thursday, they were missing both their running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And he stepped up in a huge way when they really needed it, uh, as they were also missing Baker Mayfield. So they were missing a large portion of their offense. But I'll just I'll rewind I'll rewind it here uh back to really who Darius Johnson is and as you flip through his his Wikipedia page here, basically he was he was undrafted in 2018, and he signed with the team. Never made that opening day roster, and it says here he spent the rest of the year fishing for mahi mahi in Key West. So that, that let's get this straight: he didn't even play that year in 2018. 
ends up going to the AAF when it opens up for their uh, inaugural season in 2019 and played for the Orlando Apollos. And then once the, the league was shut down, gets signed to the Cleveland Browns practice squad. Now, fast forward till now, makes his first career start against the Denver Broncos, who have a top five defense, let me remind you, on Thursday night football. So a primetime game with his starting quarterback out and two top running backs. What does he do? He runs for 146 yards on 22 carries and a touchdown. And that's a couple of catches as well in there too. And really propels this team into a victory that they really needed. Uh, they were kind of fall, starting to fall, falter by, fall behind with all these injuries. And they get a big one, uh, get a big win against a team that could be com- possibly competing with them for a playoff spot on a Thursday night. And when you think about it, just going from undrafted and stepping up into this role when your whole team is just nicked up and nobody's expecting you to win this game and nobody knows who you are, this this Dearness Johnson. Nobody's nobody's seen this guy play until Thursday night. And he just hits the national national stage and really just kind of lights the world on fire. I was just really impressed and I was just I, I kept watching and he just looked so smooth and he looked so so balanced and just his his vision was phenomenal able to make the right cut and hit the right hole at the right time able to get to the second level it just consistently looked like this guy was hitting six seven yards every single time he touched the ball and that really that really was a testament to the offensive line and just Johnson himself so Dearness Johnson's going to be our unlikely hero of the week and I think he's well deserving of this award So looking ahead to week eight here, we're going to make our picks for the upcoming week. And before we do so, uh, just wanted to give our, our record out for last week. And honestly, uh, I'm not gonna, one of them guys that's going to be like, only tell you what my record is when it's good. And we've been really good all year and until up until this week. Uh, this last week, we were six and eight. And really, the crazy thing is, is I put a, I always have two parlays I throw out there. I kind of throw my my underdog one where you try to hit the big odds. And then I put a real safe one out that I think is going to win. And our safe one hit. It was five five teams. All five hit. We get paid on that one. But really, that was the only games that I won. And in addition to that, we won the Monday night game here too. So six and eight, not not great. But everybody falters every, or not falters, but stumbles a little bit coming out the gate. We just happened to hit ours midseason. So getting back on track here, we're looking ahead to this week. And Thursday night, we're getting the Green Bay Packers at the Arizona Cardinals. And it was just uh, released yesterday that the Packers have entered enhanced protocol, uh, basically, with the COVID procedures. And that is extremely concerning, especially one of the guys being Devontae Adams. Uh, They basically needed all hands on deck for this one against a team that is the remaining undefeated team. And I honestly, the team I believe is the best team in the NFL at the moment. So Green Bay Packers not starting off well here. I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals. I just think that, especially with them not really missing anybody, and I believe they just activated Chandler Jones from the COVID-19 list. And this team, I don't, and the Packers don't have Bakhtiari yet, back yet, I believe. So we're looking at a team that is going to be extremely depleted with injuries and COVID against a team that's going to be firing on all cylinders, to put it in layman's terms. So Arizona Cardinals over to Green Bay Packers on Thursday night football. That brings us to the opening game of Sunday, and that's going to be the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. So this is two NFC South teams, division rivals, that really could have looked better 
and could have also looked worse. So I believe they're both going to be uh, three and four. Let me just check the standings quick here. And as we're checking, uh, excuse me, Falcons are three and three, Panthers are three and four. So going back to it, I'm going to take the Falcons here, uh, mainly because I think there's very legitimate concerns, and there's actually rumors floating around that the Carolina Panthers are interested in Deshaun Watson, and that should be by to nobody's surprise. Sam Darnold hasn't looked great over the last couple weeks here. And honestly, when I, when you get close games like this and games that you're not sure how they're going to finish, I always go and look at the quarterback room. Who's got the more uh, steady quarterback room? And really, the last few times I've had to do this is with the Atlanta Falcons. And honestly, I believe Matt Ryan is head and shoulders above where Sam Darnold's at. So I'm going to go the Pan or excuse me, the Falcons at home versus the Panthers. That brings us to our next game. It's a divisional game: the Titans at the Colts. And this is actually going to be a really great divisional showdown. I think the Colts are finally starting to hit their stride, and they get to go battle it out with the AFC South winner right now, and the Tennessee Titans. And really, what I'm curious to see is what is their plan for Derrick Henry? Is Derrick Henry just going to run for 200 yards, and you're just going to let him do it and score two, three touchdowns, or are you going to have some kind of plan in place that's going to be able to help stop him and really get the win for the Indianapolis Colts when you really need it? I'm not sure what they're going to do, but I'm going to take the Colts over the Titans. I just I really like their overall uh, ability, especially when Carson Wentz is playing mistake-free football. Uh, excuse me. Whoa, wow. I I really like their defense. I I think that they they're able to limit big plays. It. The only question I have is, are they going to be able to stop Derrick Henry? If you don't stop Derrick Henry, it's going to be a very long day. And for Tennessee, I'm not quite buying into them yet. I understand that they had two huge wins against Buffalo and Kansas City in the most recent weeks. But uh, I got the Colts winning the AFC South, and I think they need a win here. And I think they're going to get it here at Lucas Oil Stadium. Oh, excuse me. Coffee's not going down right this morning. That brings us into our next game. It's going to be an AFC East showdown, the Dolphins at the Bills. And I don't think this is going to be a close game at all. I'm not going to go into too much detail here. This could get in, t- turn into a bloodbath. The, the Miami Dolphins, in my opinion, are the most disappointing team in the NFL this year. And I think that trend continues in Week 8 as they showdown with the, the Buffalo Bills. Which leads us into our next game. It's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. And the New York Jets are in complete disarray with... Uh, Zach Wilson missing time and the rest of their team just not able to quite figure out (laughs) what they're doing on the football field here Uh, the Bengals on the other hand are really figuring it out they really have a solid team at this point they're leading the AFC North so I'm going to take them I I think the Bengals it's once again it's not going to be that close they're going to get a a huge another another huge win here as they continue to take control of the AFC North Brings us into our next game and another AFC North showdown. Excuse me, showdown. Speaking of it, we get the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns, and really, I think that this is more about the defenses than it is about the offenses. We know that, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing with much these days. I know he he won our unlikely hero of the week, but ever since he's done that, it just hasn't been much out of the guy. And really the Cleveland Browns, I think almost Case Keenum, it, it's a real question. Is he better than Ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career? And I, I don't even know to tell you yes or no in that situation. But if the Browns defense can show up here, I think they can play just good enough to get a win here again. 
especially at home. That crowd is really uh, ruckus on a Thursday night game there. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to look like on a Sunday against a divisional foe. So I'm going to go Cleveland Browns here at home. If they can get even one of those running backs back between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, which I don't, I think Kareem Hunt's going to miss some significant time. But Nick Chubb, I think, has a chance to play, and I think that'll be huge for him. Which brings us to our next game, and every week I say this, that we have the most unwatchable game of the week. And this week, I think this one takes the cake here. It's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles at the Detroit Lions. So we get two teams that just can't figure it out on either sides of the ball. And the Detroit Lions have looked brilliant giving the the Rams a game, and then they look absolutely terrible against the Bengals getting blown out. So who are they? We don't really know. And the Philadelphia Eagles, on the flip side, uh, rallied to make the game respectable against the Raiders last week, but end up just not even really competing to win there. They end up losing like by like 11 points, I believe. It's like 33 to 22. And Jalen Hurts is, has yet to really seize that starting job. There's still a ton of murmurs around there that they're moving on from the guy before the season's even over yet. And I'm not sure what they do here, but I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Detroit Lions. I think they're going to finally pull one out for Dan Campbell here. I think they're a team that really plays hard. I think they really want to win, and they just look so defeated when they're not winning. I think they're going to come out and realize that this is a huge opportunity for them to get a get in the, the stat column and the win column there, especially at home in front of their home fans. So I'm going Detroit Lions over the Philadelphia Eagles. And for the next noon game here, we get the Los Angeles Rams at the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans were looking competitive at the beginning of the game against the Arizona Cardinals the other day, but really kind of fell flat on their face in the second half and got blown out. And on the other hand, the the Rams looked like they were really struggling with a team in Detroit that isn't very good, to be to be frank. But they were extremely motivated with Goff coming back to town and really trying to get that win. So I'm going to say it's, it's a fluke, and I'm going to say the, the Los Angeles Rams are going to return to prominence here and really get a huge another huge win here as they continue to chalk them up moving forward. So Los Angeles Rams over the Houston Texans. For our next game that we're going to take a look at here, it's going to be the Chicago, or excuse me, the 49ers at the Chicago Bears. Uh, and this is going to be the last noon game. But really, this is a this is a must win, in my opinion, for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, if they continue to lose, they're going to start uh, losing themselves out of the playoff race. And when you go against a team like the Chicago Bears, who, and, and frank, to put it frankly, got embarrassed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past week, this is a game that you got to have. This is one that you got to have to get back into the playoff picture. And I think the San Francisco's, or excuse me, the 49ers are going to have it. I think they're going to finally get back in the winning column here, and they're going to really show that they belong in this playoff talk in the NFC. So San Francisco 49ers over the Chicago Bears. Which brings us into our next game. And this honestly is going to be, a, I think, a game that a lot of people are, are underrating. It's going to be the New England Patriots at the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think a lot of people aren't going to give the Patriots enough credit in this one, and they're just going to automatically pick the Chargers. But I think this is going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, you're getting the Chargers coming off a bye. So they're obviously have been able to game plan for a couple weeks now. And Justin Herbert's looked phenomenal this season. It'll be a real test for him here going against another great defense in New England. 
but really that my main concern here is is are the Patriots going to be able to score enough points to keep up with these guys if the defense can keep it close if they can keep it a, a 20 uh, 23 to 20 game they may be able to, to pull off an upset here but I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers I think the the huge advantage coming off the bye there is going to be huge for this team and really when when you're facing off against the Patriots you got to be ready all the time especially going against that defense so I'm picking the Chargers over the New England Patriots which brings us to our next game and this was this was close for the most unwatchable game this week but it didn't quite make it but the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Seattle Seahawks Seattle get an ugly loss on a Monday night football against the Saints losing losing in a, a low scoring affair there uh, they basically scored in the first quarter and never scored a touchdown the rest of the game but really, they're going against a team in Jacksonville that's completely reeling. Their only win they got is against Miami this year. And it looks like every week there's something new about Urban Meyer and about what he's going to end up doing. So I have some serious doubts that they can pull it off at Seattle, especially with the 12s there. So I think Seattle's finally going to get it right here. I, find, I think they're going to get back in the win column and start to get back to the right path before Russell Wilson returns. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks over the Jaguars. Which leads us into our next divisional showdown here. It's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. And the New Orleans Saints, uh, quietly, I believe, are 4-3. and three, uh, Really controlling uh, most of the games they've been in, uh, especially with that big win against Green Bay in Week 1. Looking like a real team there. And honestly, in this game, I just don't know if they have enough firepower uh, to, to keep up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This... This Buccaneers offense is just a machine that just keeps rolling through opponents. And I just don't know what teams need to do to stop them. It it looks like almost Tom Brady's 27 years old playing football again and just carving up defenses. So really, when you take a look at this game, I I think it's, it's the battle of the offenses, and I don't think there's enough offense with the New Orleans Saints. I think their defense is above average at times, but it's not going to be enough against this Tampa Bay team. And really, I think that your best bet here is that you have some high emotions rolling into a division rival game. But I'm not going to cash those checks. I'm going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to keep this train moving. Which brings us to our next game. It's going to be the Washington football team at the Denver Broncos. And really, I don't want to say that the Washington football team has been a disappointing team. Mainly because you can only expect so much from these guys not having a high-level quarterback. But I was expecting a little bit more than like two wins this season. But I think that can, can be attributed to Ryan Fitzpatrick missing uh, extended time here. And Taylor Heineke is, has proven that he can cut, he can be like a, a lightning rod every now and then when he comes in and plays for you. But he's, I think it's by, by time now that we know that this guy is not the answer uh, at long-term at quarterback. And really, most of us did know that, but there were some doubters. But I think after this last week, you can you can really count that in that they just they just he doesn't have what it takes to be a high level quarterback, starting quarterback in the NFL. But really, I think this is a must win for Washington if they have playoff aspirations. Just because if you get another loss here, you're really going to start to to fall behind, and the NFC is loaded. Uh, I think we had this discussion in the preseason that I mean. You could see four teams coming out of the NFC West. You could see the, the Vikings make a late push here. You could see uh, two teams maybe make it out of the East there. Uh, you could see three teams make it out of the South. There's there's a lot of options here. 
especially if Atlanta gets a win here, they're going to be four and three. So now you're looking up at them. And really, I mean, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not sure if, if they can pull it off. I'm not sure if they can get back in the playoff picture here. So I'm going to go to the Denver Broncos. I just like their defense uh, better than Washington's offense. I think they're more competitive on that side of the ball. Uh, Washington's defense has not lived up to the preseason hype that we thought that they were going to be. And really, uh, they have a huge opportunity here to really get back on the right track on that side of the ball against this Denver offense that just isn't that all that impressive at all and really have been leaning on the run game when even when they're losing and can't seem to get back into the games and really just kind of score some garbage points. But I'm, I think they're going to get it right here. I think this defense is going to keep it close and they're going to be able to, to manage the clock and play some ball control with them two running backs they got in the backfield there and really make a push and really get after it and really get a win here at home. So Denver Broncos over the Washington football team. Which brings us to our Sunday night game. It's going to be the Dallas Cowboys at the Minnesota Vikings. And really, this could be an epic shootout here on Sunday night. You get the Vikings in that high-scoring offense with Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook against the Dallas Cowboys. And we know what they got on offense. They got CeeDee Lamb. They got Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, and Dak Prescott. This is going to be a headliner offensive affair. And I'm, I'm all here for it. It's a primetime game. I think it's going to be a really interesting one. I think the Dallas Cowboys are by far and away the much better football team here. I'm just, I'm not buying the Minnesota Vikings no matter how many close games they have and how competitive they seem when they play. They always, they always seem to keep it close, but they can never quite pull it out. And I think that that, that seat for Zimmer is going to start boiling at some point here. It's going to get real hot uh, if it isn't already. I I'm going the Dallas Cowboys here on the road. They're going to get a huge win at the, at the at Minneapolis and the Vikings. So Dallas Cowboys over the Minnesota Vikings, which brings us to our last game. And not sure who scheduled this as a primetime football Monday night game, but the New York Giants at the Kansas City Chiefs. And a get-right game for the Chiefs couldn't come at a better time. Uh, they get the, the Giants, who are basically just limping into this one. And they're going to be able to get right here. They're going to be able to figure out what's going on on offense. They're going to be able to figure out how they're going to get guys open on offense. And they're going to be able to let this defense try some new stuff. And it's not to mention the the Steve Spagnuolo revenge game against the Giants. Um, Obviously, he's probably had a couple shots at this, but it's always good to get a win against a former team that ended up letting you go. So Kansas City Chiefs, I think, are going to roll in this one. It's not going to be competitive. It's... Even on Monday Night Football, when teams seem to bring it the most, I don't think that the Giants are going to be able to bring it and keep up on offense with the Kansas City offense. So Kansas City Chiefs over the New York Giants. So let us know your thoughts and pick or ideas on the picks. Uh, make sure you uh, <laughs> stay tuned for next week's picks as well. I, I, have, I have a good feeling we're going to be much better this week than we were the last week. So don't get down on us give us another opportunity here it's only one week everybody has a bad one so that's gonna be week eight let's roll on to the next segment so for our next segment here we're gonna fire up the trade machine and we're gonna go through some uh, uh, trade deadline trades we like to see happen and leading right off the bat here is, is gonna be the most obvious one that we've heard the most buzz around the last few weeks is gonna be Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson obviously has been looking to get traded since his fiasco last offseason with the front office. But he still has all these allegations which muddies the water. And it's it's 
believed to be the, the minimum asking price here is going to be at least three first-round draft picks. And when you look at potential suitors, it's rumored that Miami, Carolina, Philadelphia, and even possibly the Miami, Philadelphia, Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm running through the teams here quick because I had them all lined up. But even like the Detroit Lions could be in play here with multiple first-round picks. But I think the the situation that makes the most sense and the team that really would actually pull the trigger on this is going to be the Carolina Panthers. And when you take a look at it, they're a team that has spent a lot of money and they were kind of in win-now mode. And David Tepper is a super aggressive owner. And really, he's going to be looking to make a move as soon as possible. And I believe that this is the move that they could make. Now, I'm not going to get into the legal side of this, whether or not Deshaun Watson would actually play. But I think that this makes the most sense. When you look at it, Sam Darnold has not panned out. I mean, the guy got benched last week for, I mean, what we're considering here against the New York Giants. And when you take a look at the rest of the team, especially this offense, I think they're really built well. And they could really make a run at it if Deshaun Watson was there playing. So what would a potential trade look like in this situation? So I think the minimum, like I said, is three first-round picks. So they're going to have to mortgage some future capital. But also, I think, if we're taking a look, you got to include at least a player or two. And the two players I had in mind that really piqued my interest here was first was Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson's under contract for a few more years. He just signed a deal this offseason. And really has kind of been that, that player that kind of fell out of the offense early on here. And if you take a look at their cap hits, uh, Watson's is a little higher this year, a little bit lower next year compared to Anderson. So I think that that could line up pretty well. And then the other player I think that would be part of the package that I would include would be Dante Jackson, especially after you trade for J.C. Horn, or not trade for J.C. Horn, but you draft J.C. Horn and you trade for Stephon Gilmore. You still have some depth there once everybody gets healthy. And Dante, Dante Jackson has shown he's a pretty solid player this year. So he could really be a key piece, and he's expiring this year, so they could look to re-up him once he gets there. So in my opinion, that's his best destination, and that's a trade package I'd like to see put together. So three firsts, one this coming year, and then one each year after that, and then you'd be looking at Robbie Anderson and Dante Jackson. The next trade candidate that I wanted to look into here is going to be Melvin Gordon with the Denver Broncos. And the Denver Broncos selected Javante Williams in last year's draft and haven't really made him the feature guy yet this year. They've been kind of splitting time between the two. And really, the the direction that they're headed now, I'm not necessarily thinking they're going to be in win-now mode here. They still might believe they are. I don't know if you're going to get there with Teddy Bridgewater. And really, just to open up the backfield, it's not even a win-now move, because I think Javante Williams has got a little bit more juice at this point. I think you can ship out Melvin Gordon. So when you look at likely trade destinations, it was pretty hard to find a destination for a running back. Uh, the market really isn't that hot for one right now. But uh, I obviously went with the Baltimore Ravens, who have been the the easy candidate to ship a running to all year. Or excuse me, ship a running back to all year. And really, if you take a look at it, it's not that anybody that they got has been bad, like... Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman and Tyson Williams have all been, you know, moderately decent all year. But I just think that Melvin Gordon can add a little bit more juice in that backfield. And you're not going to ask him to be this this shifty uh, lateral back. He could just be the one-cut guy that he's he's used to being playing with Lamar. So basically, I think that running backs are pretty cheap this as they go 
And really, you could probably get Melvin Gordon for a fifth or sixth round pick. So Baltimore Ravens, Melvin Gordon, I like that matchup. And then heading over to, or staying on the offside, offensive side of the ball here, I'm going to go with Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas has long been rumored to be disgruntled in New Orleans, uh, and that he's not very happy with his deal. He's not very happy with the coaching staff. Supposedly they squashed it, but he's still, he's still currently on the roster, still hasn't played a game. Uh, I think he's like on the physically unable to perform list. Maybe he might have gotten removed from there already. But... I, I kind of put together a package here that gets him shipped out of town. And I looked around the league, and everybody, nor they're not, I shouldn't say everybody, but there's a lot of teams that are contending that could really use some wide receiver help. And I I found a really good pairing that I actually really liked. And it basically can help maximize him as he's entering his prime here. And I'm sending Michael Thomas to the Patriots. Uh, so... His skill set with the underneath stuff and his quick release and being able to win the line of scrimmage is going to really help Mac Jones in his development. And they're really lacking a guy like that there in New England right now. Uh, they, they don't have a ton of weapons, and they're still in the playoff hunt here at 3-4. and four. So Michael Thomas to the Patriots I thought was a pretty seamless fit there. Uh, the, the trouble is here is you're probably going to have to give up a little bit more to get him just because he's under contract for a couple years here. So you're probably going to have to ship out a first. But we know that New England's not shy uh, making these deals like we've seen this offseason. So why not go all in? And if you have to, you can ship back Nikhil Harry back in exchange for Michael Thomas as well. We're going to stay in the wide receiver room as well for the next guy. And we're going to go with Brandon Cooks. And Brandon Cooks is a guy that is kind of just... I feel terrible for him because he constantly is getting shipped out, shipped around. I mean, he's been New Orleans Saints. He's been with the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Rams. He's been at the New England Patriots. He's been at the Houston Texans. I mean, he's been with all these teams, like one-year stints, and he's a really good player. He's super fast. He's super reliable. And we're going to deal him again here. And, and it's mainly just this is going to be helping him get him out of Houston and get him to some place that wants to win. So taking a look at a lot of these rosters, like I said, a lot of teams can use wide receivers that are contenders. But there was actually a team that has long had issues at the wide receiver position, especially with like a guy that's a field stretcher. So I thought, why not bring him in and just give an offense a different dynamic? So I went with Brandon, Cole, or Brandon Cooks to the Colts. Uh, when you take a look at their wide receiver room, it's basically... Michael Pittman, who's looked pretty good this year, and Zach Pascal, And then behind them is Paris Campbell, who has been oft injured, and he's kind of that field stretcher, that burner guy. And I think that Brandon Cooks can help alleviate some of that and actually take that job from him so you can look to move on from him soon just because he, he hasn't been reliable his entire career with Indianapolis. Now, the compensation is going to be a little tricky because in the past, Brandon Cooks has been traded for a first. I'm sure that's what the Houston Texans are going to ask for, but I don't, I don't think he's worth that at this point. He hasn't shown that much uh, juice, so my thinking is I would try to package like a second round pick and a fifth or a third and a fifth, and try to get him to come over from the Houston Texans. I mean, I would think that they're going to be having a fire sale and look to get rid of anybody they basically can. So Brandon Cooks to the Colts, I like that one. The only trouble there. Is I'm not sure if they'd be looking to give him more draft capital 
after they already traded draft capital for Carson Wentz. So that's a tough sell, but I really like the fit, so I kept it. Now, I went with an offensive lineman as well, just to kind of sh- spread the wealth here. And it was really hard to find one, just because a lot of teams, that once they get depth, they like to keep their depth on the offensive line. But the name that popped out to me was Andre Dillard. And Andre Dillard was a former first-round pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been uh, their swing tackle, the guy that lost his job to Jordan Bailata, but has helped replace when they needed, or injury when, excuse me, has helped been a replacement when there has been an injured offensive lineman. So there was a injury to Taylor Lewan the other night that was a little bit scary, so prayers up to that guy. But I ended up shipping Andre Dillard over to the Titans just in case that ends up being something a little bit more than they think and gives them a little bit of depth to help protect Ryan Tannehill just because of how vital that offense is. I think he can be fairly cheap as well, too. Once again, I believe he's in a contract year. So you could probably get this deal done for like a fifth-round pick, uh, maybe a fourth, somewhere wherever that what that compensatory pick is going to end up being. And you can you can ship him out now and get the same compensation. So I, I like Andre Dillard to the Titans. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I couldn't really find a lot of edge rushers that I liked that were on a chopping block. So i seen mentioned a couple times somewhere Melvin Ingram might be, but I don't know why the Steelers would sign him if they didn't want to have some depth at that position anyway. So I didn't go that route. I instead went just into the secondary, and the number one name that popped off the list of me was Xavier Howard. And Xavier Howard uh, been rumored to be traded for a couple years now. Uh, supposedly they they fixed things uh, this offseason, signed a new deal uh, where it gives them this year, I think it's plus one more. And um, the team that I liked for Xavier Howard was the Green Bay Packers. And the Green Bay Packers have a very huge cornerback problem right now with how many injuries they have. Uh, Jair Alexander comes out every week that he, he might miss the year, and he might not. And then Kevin King has not been reliable. He's been oft injured. And rookie Eric Stokes hasn't played bad for the Packers. But, I mean, if you're heading into the postseason with Eric Stokes as your number one, we've got some serious problems. So my thinking is why not go try to spend some serious capital, maximize this Aaron Rodgers window, and get a, a former all-pro cornerback in this room with him. And then that way when Jair comes back, you can have Jair and – Xavier Howard on the outside, and then on the inside, you have a guy like Eric Stokes, or they even rumored to have Kevin King on the inside. So I, I really like that, and, you, and the best part is you get them under control for a couple of years. The only bad thing about the control over a couple of years is you're going to have to give up more to get them, and I think the minimum they're going to be asking for is a first-round pick. So Green Bay Packers, if you're ready to pony up and you're really to really – if you're ready to really put the money or the money where your mouth is and make this Aaron Rodgers window a real a real true window, let's do it. Let's send him a first and let's get Xavier Howard in the green and gold. And then there's one more guy, another cornerback here that I really liked uh, as a trade candidate, and it's going to be Kyle Fuller with the Denver Broncos. They made a ton of moves this offseason, and Pat Sertain's looked a lot better than expected. 
So my thinking is you could ship old Kyle Fuller and not have a huge impact on that defense. Uh, you, you still got, I believe it's Ronald Darby on the opposite side. So you still got some serious uh, ball players there in the, the cornerback room for Denver. But this will be able to get you some flexibility in case you wanted to make a trade for a quarterback down the road, get some additional capital. And the trade that I liked and going to send him to a surprise contender is going to be the Los Angeles, uh, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. And right now the Las Vegas Raiders are number two in the AFC. I heard that yesterday and I'm like, no way. So I went and looked at the standings and it's true. They really are second in the AFC. And why not bolster that defense? Let's get it. Let's get a run rolling here. I mean, if they're really going to play under Basaccia here, let's go full in. And I really like it. They haven't had they've had trouble trying to get cornerbacks in the building as of late with Damon Arnett. And even Trayvon Mullins looked all right. But at the same time, they they don't really have any depth behind the guy. So I thought, well, Fuller's high character guy. He comes from uh, I believe it's Virginia Tech. So decent program. I'm sure Mayak would like it. Uh the only thing is here, I don't know if he's going to want to give up a first rounder just because that seems like the kind of guy he is. So I'm thinking a second and a fifth could get this done just because there hasn't been a ton of playing time for Fuller over there and he's only on a one-year deal. So maybe even a third. So I'm going to go Kyle Fuller to the Las Vegas Raiders and really shore up that pass defense. So that's going to be it. Uh, I know it wasn't a ton of trades, but we hit some big ones there. Uh, seven big trades there. I really like the Deshaun Watson one. Really like the Michael Thomas one. Really like the Xavier and Howard one. I think those are really good fits. So just in response, let us know what you guys think. Uh, let us know if any trades that we missed. And obviously we'll be reacting to the news as it comes in from the trade deadline on November 2nd. So stay tuned. So that's going to be the show for this week, guys. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. We appreciate your patience with us as we get it out a little bit late here on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday. But uh, make sure you hit subscribe just because we're always going to have some great stuff planned. Plan on hitting on some more uh, draft stuff as that's always everybody's favorite time of the year in the off season. But uh, the, the big one I want to do coming up here soon is going to be our, our midseason check-in on all of our predictions and all of our awards for the 2021 season. So make sure you hit subscribe, and we'll see everybody next week.